Hi Triber, we're back for the next season. Smart Girl Tribe has grown to become the UK's number one female empowerment organisation. We have an event series, a digital magazine, a membership platform and this podcast. What can you expect from us? Interviews from women all over the world who are driving change and pushing the needle forward. From actors to activists, to CEOs and conflict photographers, to the brains behind some of the world's largest corporations. When you're not tuned in every Wednesday at 6pm, then make sure you're chatting to fellow unapologetically ambitious women in our private Facebook group, the Smart Girl Tribe Society, or sharing our ever so inspirational content on Instagram at Smart Girl Tribe. Janine Worth, aka The Trauma Whisperer, is an internationally recognised trauma expert, licensed psychotherapist, clinical hypnotherapist and coach, specialising in helping women heal from unresolved trauma and emotional baggage without spending years in therapy. Janine in this episode speaks about her own healing journey after surviving a hijacking, kidnapping and attempted rape at gunpoint at 18. In this episode, we talk about the connection between emotional baggage and how it shows up later in life, how those emotional wounds affect our romantic relationships and our careers, how we can rewire our thoughts and live a life free from past negative experiences, and how we can truly live as our highest selves. This is an episode all about healing and speaking your truth, and it's so moving, you're going to start thinking about your entire childhood and life differently. You ready? Hi Janine, welcome to the Smart Girl Tribe podcast. Can you just share your story with our audience, please? Hi Scarlett, so thanks for having me. Well, I am a licensed psychotherapist, a clinical hypnotherapist and coach, and I specialize in helping women heal from trauma and unresolved emotional baggage, painful life experiences without spending years in therapy. And the story to how I became a therapist is quite interesting because I myself experienced a traumatic childhood. And when I was 18 years old, it was actually the day that I got my driver's license. That night I decided that I wanted to go out with some friends and celebrate the fact that I'd got this milestone and, you know, it's like the first step after school into this independent adult life but I never made it to the restaurant because when we parked, there were actually two armed men that then proceeded to hijack, kidnap us, take us to the next town, to this very secluded beach area. And when we got there, you know, I was wondering why they hadn't just taken the car. They already had our valuables and everything. But the fact that they decided to take us with them made me a bit nervous, obviously. And when we got there, one of them grabbed me by the arm and pulled me up a sand dune. And when we got to the top, holding a gun to my head, he said to me, take off all your clothes. And in that moment, it's as if everything just slowed down. And people talk about the fight, flight, or freeze reaction. And I could literally feel something in me snap. And I looked at him and I said to him, you'll have to shoot me first. And in that moment, I meant it because at 18 year old, I mean, I didn't have any dependence or, and I wasn't going to start my life like that. And I could see like complete shock and confusion in his face. He was like, "Mm, this is not how it's supposed to go. 
-hmm. And I looked down at his accomplice and I just started shouting at him. I said to him, you know, you've got all our valuables, take the car, just leave us here. And obviously with the shouting and then the one that had me at the top there shouting at his accomplice, it was starting to not be as quiet and secluded and as what they had hoped. And eventually they were discussing amongst themselves in their native language and they decided, okay, they're going to leave us there. And um, a week after that, this was before everyone was on social media and not a lot of my friends knew what had happened. I, cause they had a shootout with the peace and I got my car back after a few days, a bit damaged, but I got it back. And I was actually waiting for someone and the friend who didn't know what had happened to me creeped up onto my car and as a joke, slammed his hand down on my driver window. And my body had such a physical reaction to that. It's as if all of a sudden I couldn't breathe. I had this massive rush of adrenaline, you know, fear. And I just thought to myself, what is happening to me? And this led me to go to a therapist who explained that was PTSD. And in the first session, they always ask you, you know, about your life story, why you came and all of that. And when I had told him my story, he said to me something that actually changed my whole perception. And he said to me, Janine, I believe your traumatic childhood and the resilience that you were forced to build up because of that actually ended up saving your life. Wow. And it was quite a weird moment because before then I'd never felt gratitude for my childhood. You know, I'd always had this feeling, why is mine so different to everyone else? Why, what is the point of all of this? And that sort of made me realize, okay, well maybe some good can come from that. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to hear that that happened to you, Janine. That's really, that's really traumatic. So, can you explain to our audience then what are emotional triggers? So, emotional triggers are, I call them our little guidance system, because a lot of people coming back to that, there must be a reason why this is happening. A lot of people don't have any gratitude for these triggers because they just realize, oh, this doesn't make me feel good. This is causing a visceral reaction within me. And then they focus on that feeling, which is usually not a comfortable or um, it's usually a bad feeling, you know, associated with the triggers. But when we have those feelings, it's showing us that our body and our mind is recognizing some emotional wounding from our past that hasn't been dealt with yet. So a good way to explain it is like with an example, if someone grew up in a family where maybe one of the children was favored and it was obvious that that child was the favorite, the other child recognizing that would then start internalizing because children take something like that personally and think, well, what is wrong with me? Why am I not experiencing this unconditional love that my sibling seems to get? And that could lead to feeling not good enough. So 
as an adult, if you then have a boss or colleague or somebody in your life that triggers that feeling of not being good enough, your mind's like, oh, I recognize this. This is like that time, you know, in your childhood or at school or in that relationship and brings up all of that emotional wounding. And it takes us right back, sort of giving us that reminder, I'm not good enough. And our body then has that reaction to it. Can everybody have emotional triggers? Absolutely. I am yet to meet someone who has not had an emotional trigger. Every single one of us throughout our life accumulates these experiences and these beliefs. And most of the time, we don't even realize it until we have that trigger. Okay. And what have you found, Janine, to be the most common emotional trigger people struggle with? Not feeling good enough. Or believing that what they want and desire isn't available to them. When they start comparing themselves to other people and saying, okay, well, how come this isn't happening for me? How come that person who's been, maybe it's in their career, has been doing that job for two years and they way ahead of me? You know, every single one of us at some point in our life doesn't feel worthy or good enough because Mm -hmm. people around us and their behavior tell us that we take on those beliefs and especially when that happens in our childhood and we're not emotionally mature at that point in time to deal with it and to process it it then shows up later in life very often with secondary symptoms like procrastination um, binge eating fear of success there's so many things that people then actually don't connect to these unresolved emotional wounds how can we as adults start exploring what our emotional wounds are to then be able to understand what our emotional triggers are so i would suggest that you actually keep a diary or a record of some sort of that because you will know when you are being triggered you will have that um, reaction and then Take note of that. What actually happened right before that to make you have that reaction? And a lot of people don't take that second step. They just have their reaction and then feel bad and try and soothe themselves with, you know, a bottle of wine or a tub of ice cream or whatever their go-to happens to be. But sitting down and journaling about and asking yourself, why did that make me feel like crap? What does that remind me of? Okay, so are there, or should I say, is there a relationship between emotional triggers and then having anxiety or depression? I think that it can have a connection. You know, depression a lot of time has to do with brain chemistry and all of that, but with anxiety there can be a connection, especially if the person has experienced abuse of any kind, even if it's psychological or emotional abuse. Because when I say abuse, people automatically think sexual abuse or physical abuse. 
But if someone grew up with a narcissistic parent, for instance, and had continuous long-term psychological abuse with them, you know, um, gaslighting the person or that, that can create anxiety when people feel triggered by other people in their lives, you know, a colleague or a boss or a partner. And when we have that feeling or reaction, that's like our, our warning system. You know, this, this doesn't feel good. This is something that needs to change. And a lot of times when people have anxiety, they just focus on what they're experiencing, a panic attack or whatever. And it's only when that becomes so regular that they then think, okay, what should I do about this? Mm-hmm. But they could save themselves a lot of emotional trauma or, you know, a lot of suffering if they started asking those questions and actually sought someone else out that could help them with that because people suffer for years on end, not realizing that that doesn't have to be like that. And you said one of the most common emotional wounds is not feeling good enough. Do you think a lot of us have internalized that emotional wound as children, Janine? Yes, definitely. Because as children, you know, if you look at toddlers, if you go to a kindergarten and you look at two and three-year-olds, they're happy. They think that they are the fastest runners, the best artists, you know, the best dancers, the best singers. They have this amazing self-confidence and self-esteem. And we all come into the world like that until the people around us with their words and behavior convince us that we're not. Okay. And how many of our emotional triggers do you think are emotional wounds that we have internalized as children? All of them. Every single one of them is, there's a reason for a trigger. You don't get triggered for no reason. Okay. When you get triggered, it's your subconscious mind telling you that something from the past has just popped up in the present. Okay. So the best way to start exploring this is obviously there is, there are so many practices we can do, Janine. We can start meditating, we can do breath work, we can have therapy. Is there anything that you would recommend if somebody were listening to this and they wanted to start exploring their emotional triggers? Well, the first step is to understand what is actually causing that reaction. And then to ask yourself, okay, if it's always this one particular person, maybe you can start spending less time with that person or you can have a very honest conversation with that person. Very often this happens in relationships. You know, each person comes into that partnership with their own emotional baggage. And if your partner is constantly triggering you, you need to have that conversation and say, listen, you know, when you make a decision without asking me, it makes me feel like I'm a second class citizen or that you don't value me or I don't feel equal. And that reminds me of my childhood when I was constantly told that I'm not the favorite. 
Okay. You know, and those conversations can be tricky. You need to have those conversations when you're not being triggered. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when everyone is calm and you can say, you know what, last week when I had that reaction, I, I actually want to tell you a bit about that and why this is so important to me. Because if your partner doesn't know, okay, that is like a sore point for you, they're going to keep on doing it because they just don't know better. Okay. So what can we do then mentally to balance out our emotional triggers? If we are aware of them, we know about our emotional wounds, and now we want to move forward, how can we balance out our emotional triggers? Well, boundaries. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, every single woman that I've had the privilege to work with have had boundaries, boundary issues of some sort. You know, very often it could show up in the way of people pleasing, you know, in the form of obligation saying yes, when you actually want to say no, because you just want to be liked by everyone, especially people that maybe weren't very popular or were bullied in their childhood. They will very often fall into this habit of people pleasing in order to be liked and to not be rejected. So, if you take care of the emotions that you have from your childhood and realize that you can be liked and you can still be a good person, you can be a kind person when you say no, then you are automatically stopping that pattern of behavior. Okay. How does our psyche deal with emotional triggers? Does it deal with emotional wounds differently in men and women? No, our reactions might look a bit different because women might be more prone to an emotional outburst, including crying in that, where men, most of them won't do that. Their reaction is more anger based, Mm -hmm. but the subconscious mind that process is the same. Our physical reaction is just different because of the way that we get raised in society, that men are weak if they cry, you know, but the anger issue I think is the same for men and women. And the thing is, you know, with me dealing with trauma, I hear the worst of the worst. And what I tell my clients, especially women that have been assaulted in some form, whether it's sexually or physically, is broken bones heal. Bruises, cuts, wounds, they all heal. But the problem is the emotions that our subconscious mind connects to events. You know, the feeling of being powerless, shame, guilt, anger, all of these feelings are sitting there in your subconscious mind, like this big pile. And when we have those emotional wounds and someone comes and pushes on them and we have that's the trigger and we have that reaction, that is showing us that we need to deal with it. Because a lot of people think, well, if something happened 20 years ago, I'm over it. But you're not. Because if it hasn't been processed, it unfortunately doesn't just disappear by itself okay 
No, I understand. And obviously things happen every day as adults, Janine. So if we go through something as an adult and we think, okay, this is possibly something that is going to affect me in the future, what can we do in that moment to break that pattern? Well, I would suggest that you have support in some form, you know, like I have a support group for women on Facebook where you have a community that is non-judgmental, that is a safe space where you can go and you can actually say, well, today was really awful. This happened and have people support you without judging because often the people that are closest to us they might mean well, but if they don't understand what you're going through, they might think, oh, drama queen, attention seeking, you know, because if this is something that keeps coming up on a regular basis, eventually they're like, you know what, um, this is enough now kind of thing, because they are not trained or skilled to deal with those situations. So it's important to have people that understand what you're going through and then obviously you have to make that decision okay do i want to carry on like this or do i want to go and work with someone so that this is not my reality anymore because i always tell people you can't change what you're not willing to acknowledge Mm -hmm. so that first step is realizing okay this is actually affecting me on a daily basis and it's actually holding me back from being who i want to be because all of us should be striving to become the next best version of ourselves. How can, because we internalize emotional wounds, I'm intrigued to know, Janine, do we ever take on the emotional wounds of our parents? Can emotional wounds or triggers be genetic? I wouldn't say it's genetic, like on a cellular level, but I do believe that we copy our parents' behavior. Mm -hmm. I mean, we see this all the time. If a girl grows up in a house where the father is um, abusive, very often she will end up with a partner who's abusive. And that's not genetic This is because that behavior has been modeled to her over many years and that she considers to be normal. Is there any, speaking of normal, Janine, are there any behaviors that as humans or as adults, I should say, we consider normal, but actually they're not? You know, a lot of us are walking around thinking that we're not enough. That's not normal, but so many people do. Are there any other habits or behaviors that we have as adults that in your expertise you would say they're not normal but we think they are definitely so you know and I mean this is in my own family for years it was like this thing oh all the women our family have very bad tempers Mm. that's not normal you all have emotional baggage that you haven't dealt with and you have severe anger issues because of it it's not normal a bad temper is not normal you know but people like to think it of it as you know it's almost like a a genetic thing all the women no you're all just traumatized and need to deal with your crap (laughs) you know 
or people will think, oh, if you've had a bad day, it's normal to go and drink a bottle of wine by yourself. No, it's not normal. That's just the way that you choose to self-soothe yourself. Okay. You know, or to go and sit in your pajamas for three days and eat a tub of ice cream because you had a bad day. That is not normal. That is just how we choose to make ourselves feel better because we're not dealing with the actual issue. So if somebody decided to dig into their emotional wounds and consequently their emotional triggers and all of those issues, excuse me, all of those issues were dealt with, could you describe this person for us, Janine? Would this person be very calm and serene what would that person look like if they had dealt with all of their stuff if you like well i don't know if we ever get to the point where we've completely dealt with everything because i always say that the self-development journey or this healing journey is like peeling an onion once you've taken off the first layer and dealt with the most obvious things say for instance if a woman has experienced you know, an assault, that would be the starting point to help her deal with that, especially if, if she's experiencing any PTSD or that. Then the next thing would be like, okay, how, how is she choosing relationships based on these beliefs and experiences? And it sort of unlayers all of these, these layers and these beliefs that we've built up over our entire life. And a lot of that we get from the people that we spent the most time with. So if, family members, parents, teachers, extended family. But when you have taken care of the most dramatic ones, you will come to a point where you realize or that other people's behavior is about them. Mm. It's not about you. You know, if someone treats you badly, you will then have the self-awareness to take your emotions out of that and say, okay, obviously that person is having a bad day or that person is feeling triggered and they're having a reaction, but it doesn't have anything to do with me. You know, where before they might take it very personally and, you know, start going down that rabbit hole of why doesn't that person like me? or Why am I not good enough? And, you know, have that huge little meltdown at home where when you realize that most of the time people's reactions and behaviors are all about them, that allows you to take that step back and to see it more objectively. Mm -hmm. How many emotional wounds do you think the average person has, Janine? I understand it's impossible to say exactly, but what are we dealing with when we look into emotional wounds? Is it that we all tend to have one experience that we hold on to? Is it a collection of all different experiences or negative experiences, I should say, that then impact us later? How many things are we looking into dealing with here? Well, I think that's impossible to say because there's so many factors that play a role in that. Mm-hmm. Did you have a good childhood? Was there addiction, abuse, all of that? Did you see that growing up? How were you treated? Were you bullied at school? You know, everything, every experience that we have 
creates this personality that we have and these beliefs that we collect throughout our life actually affect our choices. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've believed for 30 years that you're not good enough, I can bet money that that is affecting your choices. It's affecting the jobs that you apply for. It's affecting the partners that you choose to be with. It's affecting how you allow people to treat you. Mm-hmm. And most people, because they've been doing that their whole life, they think that that is normal. It's only when they start doing the work and realize, okay, actually, I don't have to be treated like a doormat. Or actually, if my partner cheats on me, I don't have to stay with them. You know, it's only when we start realizing that our worth is non-negotiable, then we start making decisions from a completely different mindset. I really want to gauge in your expertise here Janine can I ask what do you think of obviously a lot of the work you and I have just spoken about has been mental which I'm completely on board with I'm constantly reading the books analyzing myself listening to podcast episodes really diving in deep to explore any emotional wounds I have or triggers being an expert in this field can I ask what do you think of things like crystals Janine or salt baths all of these things that are considered a bit woo woo because people use them in their personal development journey so do you think most of the work should be mental and that's how we're going to get to the core of our emotional wounds or should we take on these physical practices if you like such as using crystals i think that everybody's journey is different and the first thing to consider is what makes you feel good if you don't feel good doing woo-woo stuff then that's not going to work for you because you're not on board with it but i think that people need to do their research and find out what has actually shown to have proven results for instance yoga they've done actual studies where they've compared the effects of yoga with Prozac. And this was done at Harvard Medical School. So, you know, it's a good source. It's a reliable source. And that study proved that yoga actually had better results than people who just use Prozac. So for me, that would be then a clear indication to look into and to try if you try it for 10 days and it doesn't make you feel good, then you are welcome to look at something else. Now, I don't believe in dictating to people, if you want to be healed, you have to do this, 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 and that. Everybody should decide what feels good to them and they need to research it and make sure that it's actually based in fact. Because there are, unfortunately, a lot of people on the internet who are after an easy buck and will sell you anything Mm -hmm. to make money. And there are a lot of people who are so desperate to heal and will do almost anything to get to that point that fall victim to that. And that I don't agree with. Okay. Why is it so important to master our emotional wounds and triggers, Janine? If we don't, what can the consequences look like? 
Well, I believe that it affects every single part of your life. It affects how you parent. It affects how you show up in your relationships. It affects how successful you will be in your career. Because if you, for instance, using the example of not feeling good enough, if you are wanting to have this huge success and doing everything in your power to get there, your mind's main function is to keep you safe. And that will then show up in self-sabotaging behaviors because it will remind you that being seen or whatever that wound is for you, that that's not safe and will then show up maybe with physical symptoms. If you have an important appointment, all of a sudden you'll get a headache or you won't feel well or you'll lose your voice or you might can come up with all of these little symptoms to stop you from doing what you really want to do if it believes on some subconscious level that that is not safe for you. Mm -hmm. And how do you think, Janine, we can master our worst tendencies, if you like? You know, initially or just a few moments ago, you were talking about anger between women in families and that in your family, a lot of women have had bad tempers. So what are the tools that we can master our worst tendencies? Well, the first thing is to identify them Mm -hmm. and then to ask yourself, okay, why is this actually like this? Is this something that I've learned from modeling the behavior of the people around me? Or is this something that is connected to something that's happened to me and the best or the easiest way to do that is to go and speak to someone who actually is an expert in that and that can help you identify that very often you know what i like to do is to use a combination of traditional therapy regression hypnosis and coaching to help women identify and to work through that because often especially when it's happened when we're quite young we might forget about it mm-hmm. or we might downplay it because now as a 35 year old what happened to you at three shouldn't really matter you know you're over it time heals all you know we taught all of that but if the subconscious mind has attached meaning to those events the only way to go and work through that is to know where that happened, which is why I love using regression hypnosis because there we are going straight to the root cause. You know, with traditional talk therapy, I can ask you, how do you feel? What do you think about that? And we can discuss that for weeks and months, but in hypnosis, we're, asking the subconscious mind directly take me to that time place and event where you felt not good enough the very first time and some of my clients have even gone to situations or scenes where they were still in the womb where they were the result of you know an accidental pregnancy or an unwanted pregnancy and one of my clients actually went back to being in the womb and hearing her mother and her grandmother arguing about whether or not she should have an abortion. 
So that makes you, her immediately feel unwanted and not good enough. And she had that before she was even born. And there's no way to discover that just with journaling or just with meditation. Sometimes you need the help of someone with the skills that can help you find out where that stems from. Mm -hmm. No, I completely understand. I mean, let's unpack this a little bit then, Janine, and really look at this. So one of the things that I have is I do not deal with stress very well. And I can kind of look back because I've always had this internal belief that if I'm not doing something productive, it's not worth my time, if you like, that if I'm awake, I should be working. That's always been the tendency that I've had. And somebody did ask me, where does that come from? And I said, you know what? I don't know exactly where it comes from because I can't say my parents were complete workaholics, but growing up, because they were both self-employed, it did seem that they were working all the time. However, they were very, very present in my childhood. My dad was in a position that he was able to take early retirement, very young. My mum, for a while, was a stay-at-home mum. So what can I do then to go forward and start dealing with stress a lot better and change that narrative for me, would you recommend? Well, the first thing to find out is what's behind this need to always be busy and productive. Oh my gosh, no one's ever asked me that before. It could be that maybe your parents, and a lot of parents do this, meaning very well it comes from a place of love and encouragement where if you do well they praise you and because you want that affection and emotional uh, validation that turns us into perfectionism or perfectionists you know chasing that because we associate on a subconscious level our achievements with love yes i can relate to that Janine I was very academic growing up I achieved the highest grades and I really did work hard and I do remember a lot of praise as a child not just from my immediate family but my whole family that was when I was most seen if you like is that something that I should be dealing with going forward yeah because the thing is when our mind associates our achievements and our action and our productivity to love and worth, it can become problematic because it's very difficult thing to switch off. It's very difficult to have guilt-free time off because your mind is always telling you, well, you know, you could be doing something more productive, something more worthwhile. And all of us, need that balance between you know work and play work and rest yeah no I understand so is it a matter of I should be doing more to relax I should be taking more time out I mean I'm quite good already I do meditate and I do practice yoga is there anything else that you would recommend Well, I would suggest to you, I invite you to dig a bit deeper into that feeling of 
why you feel best when you're busy. Okay. Because there's a reason for that. You know, with regression hypnosis, we would know the answer within an hour and a half, and I can show you the pattern related to that. But you can also try and journal on that, you know, and, and ask yourself, why do you feel guilty when you're not busy? Okay. Wow. This is so interesting. I think this is going to sit with me for a while. That's something, yeah, definitely to start exploring and thinking about and looking into different tools to use. And talking about mastering our triggers, Janine, is there truth in we can actually use our triggers to fuel us more? I mean, you can just take, for instance, what I was just saying. Yes, I don't deal with stress well. I am a self-confessed workaholic. I started my business when I was 19. It really snowballed and has done very well. And I can honestly say it's because of my obsession with work that I've been able to use that to fuel me more. Would you agree or do you just think that's almost a cop-out and we shouldn't think like that at all? I think that it can be a bit of both because... Yes, because of that, it has led to you being successful. But on the other side of the coin, it can also lead to burnout and physical health issues later on. So you need to find that happy medium of giving everything and being all in when you're at work, but being able to flip that switch and being all in when you're not at work. Okay. No, I completely understand. And one thing I want to get your opinion on, Janine, is a lot of people who have emotional wounds and then subsequently emotional triggers, they believe that, or it's scientifically proven that this can be stored energy inside of us. Through Mm -hmm. cleansing, our energy fields, also known as our chakras in some cultures, are we completely eliminating our emotional triggers? Is actually that all a myth and something you disagree with completely? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm not an expert in chakra clearing, so I'm not going to say that, yes, it's amazing or no, it's a bunch of nonsense because mm-hmm. it's not my chosen field i'm sure that there must be people who would be able to advise people on that from a more informed viewpoint Mm -hmm. i'm a scientist Mm -hmm. (laughs) and a therapist so for me i want to see you know the science behind methods but i do believe that things like uh, nlp neuro linguistic programming and hypnosis Some people consider that to be woo-woo, but it's actually not. It's based in science if you look at the the actual research behind it. So I think that our emotions and trauma definitely get stored in the body. And there's actually a book that I would recommend that people read if they're interested in that. And it's written by a psychiatrist called Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. And the book is called The Body Keeps the Score. Mm. And he was one of the first people that actually pioneered 
this research in, into how we are affected by trauma and emotional wounding. And in there, he talks about the mental and physical symptoms and reactions of how we take on or deal with wounding. And I was lucky enough to do some training with him as well. And a lot of it, the science, the research shows us that it does get stored in the body. And he was actually involved in that study between uh, yoga and Prozac. Mm -hmm. So with us knowing that yoga and this physical movement has more benefits than medication, there could be other practices that are helpful. Unfortunately, I'm not an expert in those though. No, I understand. And we obviously look back at our emotional wounds and our triggers to move forward for our personal development journey to ultimately become our highest self, if you like. That's how it's referred to. So how do you think, Ginny, we can really harness our potential? I think that for people to be fulfilled and happy, they need to feel that they're here for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And to find out what your purpose is, you have to actually take a look at your life and ask yourself, what is the, the reason why you're here? You know, looking back, I know or I believe that the things that have happened to me, the things that people see as trauma, that we define as trauma, has all actually led to my purpose, which is to help other women heal. Mm-hmm. So I want people to realize that not everything that happens to us that is bad is pointless or useless. You know, and happiness is such a personal thing. Happiness could mean something completely differently to me than to you. And People say they want to be happy, but very often they don't even know what that means to them personally. You know, when people ask me about purpose and I always say to them, I had a successful, a successful corporate career before I became a therapist and I had all the perks that was involved with that travel and, you know, promotions and, but I wasn't happy. I was very stressed. I was away from my family. And the the higher up I went and the more successful, and I use that word very loosely, I became for people on the outside looking in, the more unhappy I became because it was leading me away from what I believe is my purpose. So now I don't have a bad day. And people look at me and they're like, yeah, right. I'm like, no, I literally do not have a bad day related to my work. Because if I get up and show up and do the work that I believe I'm meant to do and help the people that I come into contact with to have realizations, to help them on the next step Mm -hmm. or give them direction on that healing journey, how can that be a bad day for me? 
completely. Wow. And another thing, Janine, I want to dive into is every day we all have, I think it's on average 90,000 thoughts or something like that. How can we regulate our thoughts? Because obviously our thoughts can be negative. They can be positive. We have an inner critic. If we want to achieve true balance in our thinking, how can we regulate them? Well, the first thing is to realize that we can actually choose our thoughts. And this takes some practice because we are so used to just being spectators to our thoughts. You know, thoughts come in and we don't realize or we're not taught from a young age that we can actually choose the ones that we want to focus on. So the way that I try and explain it to my clients is imagine you're at a buffet and perhaps you're a vegetarian. Are you going to go and choose the roast beef? No, it's there, but it doesn't mean that you have to pick it up. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with our thoughts. You know, if you see your thoughts as products on a conveyor belt, like when you go grocery shopping, you can pick and choose which ones you want. And that takes practice because when people have a thought, especially when it's negative, they tend to cling on to it. But if you have a thought and you have that awareness, you can say, okay, that's not serving me. I'm going to reject it. Next, please. Okay. Instead of grabbing onto it and going down that rabbit hole. And that changes your, your mood. It changes how you react to everyone. You know, it can change your whole day. So instead say, "Mm, if you have that thought, oh, well, that person doesn't like me. You can say, yeah, Maybe that's true. I also don't like everyone and move (laughs) on with your day. You know, we don't have to take it as this ironclad belief and run with it. Mm, I understand. And how can we tap into our subconscious, Janine? Well, there's many ways that we can do that. You know, meditation, hypnosis, even really in-depth journaling will create that connection. The whole point is that we first have to be fully present. Okay. Because you can't tap into your subconscious while you are binge watching Netflix. You know, your mind is then somewhere else. We need to actually be physically, mentally present in the moment and focusing on that connection. Okay. And we obviously need to talk about media and especially social media consumption nowadays. How do they affect our emotional triggers? Do they allow our emotional triggers to increase? What do you think about that? Yes, I do think that there is an increase in our our triggers because we are being bombarded constantly. You know, if you have the feeling that you're not good enough and you happen to not be very happy with your physical body An hour on Instagram can really take you down. You know, if you are following people who are creating this illusion of perfection, that's not going to make you feel good about yourself. Mm -hmm. 
you know, mm-hmm. so I always teach my clients that when we talk about boundaries, digital boundaries need to be included in that. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, we are still going to get triggered, Janine. So how can we process challenges or obstacles that arise? Well, like I said earlier, the first thing is to try and recognize the reason behind the trigger. Because if you don't do that, you will never change it. It will just keep on happening. But if you have that self-awareness, you can say, oh, that reminds me of that incident where I was bullied at school or made fun of. If we take, for instance, body image, where if someone was bullied at school for being overweight, as an example. Okay. And also then recognize, okay, that hurt me because it made me feel that I didn't belong. It made me feel that I'm not good enough, but I'm also not that child anymore. Now I get to choose how I'm going to nourish my body. You know, a lot of children don't have choice over their food when they are in a home where their meals are prepared for them, you know, Mm. or they are forced to eat everything on their plate, even if they're not hungry. Um, Which by the way, I, always recommend that parents, if your child is hungry, they will eat, but forcing them to eat when they're not hungry, that is showing them to not listen to their own body signals, you know? So that might've been the case for that 11 year old girl, but now as an adult, you get to choose, you get to choose how much you're going to eat, what you're going to eat, when you're going to stop. You're going to choose if you're going to exercise. So we need to look at, yes, that might have been true in the past, but it doesn't have to be true for you now. Mm -hmm. No, I understand. And you mention social media boundaries, or you more put it, digital boundaries. Obviously, this is something that the majority of us struggle with. Could you just unpack that, Janine, and explain what you mean by saying digital boundaries? Okay. So... An example of a digital boundary could be if you are someone who is sensitive and you don't want to see animal abuse or, you know, anything that's violent, but you have someone, for instance, on your Facebook who keeps on posting stuff like that, a digital boundary could be that you snooze them for 30 days or that you unfollow them meaning that you are still friends with them online but you, their their stuff isn't popping up in your feed every single day mm-hmm. you know it could be setting time limits for yourself i for instance am quite strict with myself on how much i'm on social media because a part of that is part of my work you know to be online because i have a community online But that doesn't mean that I have to be up till midnight scrolling through Instagram for hours, you know, and saying, okay, from this time to this time, I can use social media and after 8 p.m. I'm not on there anymore. Or if I'm on a date with my partner, we are not going to be using our phones Mm. because someone I mean, if you were on a date with someone that you have an emotional connection to 
and they are on your phone and you're trying to have a conversation with them, does that make you feel loved? Does that make you feel like they're giving you their attention? Mm. No. It makes you feel like, okay, I'm sitting right here, but you would rather interact with someone online or whatever you're checking or reading is more interesting than the conversation we're trying to have. So it's that respect of when you're someone to actually be present and be with them. You know, I always tell parents, especially working mothers that have this mom guilt, if you spend an hour a day with your child and you are absolutely present in the moment, it means more to that child than someone who spends the whole day with them but is constantly on their phone, who's just putting them in front of a TV screen. Because that's not spending time with them. Okay. Your child will feel more loved and more secure and be more uh, emotionally balanced when they feel that they have your attention when you're actually with them, even if that's only an hour a day. Okay. And how then can we process sadness, Janine? Well, the first thing is to actually feel your feelings. Mm -hmm. you know, and to go through that process. A lot of people don't want to go through the process because they fear their own emotions. But what's the worst that could happen? Shoving it down all the time doesn't make it go away. Actually taking the time, giving yourself that self-love and saying, you know what, I need to process that. So I'm going to take Saturday to do that. Mm -hmm. and actually giving yourself that time and space to process it, that will make you a lot better off than just trying to ignore it and push it down. And if that means that you have to tell your partner, listen, I need a, a self-care day. Can you please take care of the kids? Then so be it, you know, or asking for help so that you have that, that time and that space. And if that means that you have to cry for three hours, then so be it. Mm -hmm. And I also your way to deal with it. Yeah, I understand, Janine. And I also end the podcast with two questions. The first being, what is your favorite quote or the mantra you live by, Janine? This is actually a quotation that is credited to Maya Angelou. Mm -hmm. And it's the one where she said that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Mm, that's really and I think that, I think if we all started living or being more conscious of how you make people feel, then we won't be on our phones when we're out on a dinner with our partner. We won't be checking our email when our child is trying to tell us how their day was. Mm. That awareness of how we make people feel changes everything. Okay. And finally, Janine, what books or podcasts would you recommend to our audience? Well, I mentioned The Body Keeps the Score mm -hmm. uh, by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. I think that that is a good starting point for anyone that has experienced trauma of any form mm. and that wants to know how that actually affects us. 
And the second one that I really enjoyed was by Brene Brown. Braving the Wilderness. Thank you very much. And thank you so much for sharing your story as well. You're very welcome. Thanks for providing the platform for people like me to share their story.